Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome back everyone to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette and today I have a really interesting episode all about pursuing a Master of Library Science degree and bilingual school librarianship with our special guest. His name is Jeffrey Merino. He is a um, he has recent experience as a bilingual school librarian for a kindergarten through fifth grade elementary school. Prior to that, he taught in the classroom as a dual language educator. Jeffrey has a Master of Library Science degree from Sam Houston State University and a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education from the University of Houston Clear Lake. He currently lives in Chicago, Illinois, but he plans to move back to his hometown of Houston, Texas. So if you know, folks, <laughs> if any of y'all are from the Chicago area or the Houston area, <laughs> definitely reach out. Um, yeah, so that's Jeffrey. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, welcome. Well, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for welcoming me. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the show because what folks don't know is that the reason I know you is because of you having been a listener. So I love that. I love that you're on the show now. <laughs> Yeah, I've been following, I think, since uh, the very early days. Um, I think I might have been, you know, either in my graduate program, um, and I think just wanted to be in a space uh, or surrounded by a space of just all the support. And I think when I found your podcast, it was like, you know, like, it was a way to, you know, like, decompress and know that there's someone out there that's, you know, looking out for first generation um, BIPOC individuals that are trying to navigate uh, higher education and it was always like definitely looked forward always when you dropped a new episode oh. it was kind of like a therapy session like just <laughs> you know hearing like the stories your advice and then the stories of others and just knowing that okay like whatever I'm going through right now you know there is an end in sight or you know there's also other people that are just as ambitious and have goals like me so so thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Wow, that means so much to hear. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Jeffrey. Well, it's, it's really nice to turn the tables around and now have <laughs> you as a guest and for you to share your wisdom and your experience. And so for the folks that don't know you, I would love for you to get us started by telling us more about yourself, your backstory, and also how you ended up going into the field of library science of all fields. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I think my start with education will definitely began during undergrad. I worked as a research data collector um, out in Houston for the University of uh, Texas Health Science Center system. Um, specifically, it's a research institution known as the Children's Learning Institute. And for me, it was just really like, you know, I just really need a job during undergrad. I need some work. Um, and it did deal, you know, it worked, the job description talked about like you would heavily, uh, you would deal heavily with children, interact with them, um, you know, during the week, during the school day, and uh, it worked out for me where I was able to do that. Um, and one of the projects 
and back then my 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 major wasn't I wasn't I was interested in science so specifically like yeah. environmental science and so I, I wasn't you even here you say science in elementary education that's a really yeah. specific major yeah, yeah yeah so at first I was interested in just um uh, you know environmental science I was looking to see like oh maybe I can go into uh environmental public health at some point but you know I was uh, I got into um you know, being a research data collector and I would go and they would send me to schools and I would spend sometimes a whole day in a school, like a whole school day and work with really young children, pre-K and kindergarten. And I would observe teachers, um, you know, for, for our research, collect a lot of uh, qualitative data um, and then bring it back and talk at the office. And um, it was during that time that I was like, you know, I really enjoy being here. I enjoy working with the children. And I wonder like if I, um, Oh, and at that time I was also volunteering. Mm -hmm. uh, I just like I wanted to volunteer. I was volunteering in Houston Independent School District. They have a program, and I, I think they still currently have it, which is called Real Men Read. Oh. And that program based um, there was it, they didn't initiate the program. It was started out, I think, um, in another you know urban uh, you know education like area. Maybe it was Philadelphia or New York. Um, but with the, that was the same goal. It was, um, they've noticed that, you know, children, uh, specifically boys, males mm. um, in elementary school, all the way up to, you know, at the end of uh, high school that they um, are not really as interested in reading um, as maybe, you know, um, uh, girls or females um, in the yeah. school system. So the, the point for that is for them to bring in like male um, role models, community male role models um, from many different backgrounds, um, just to come in and share their passion for reading, which I did have, uh, you know, definitely back then, I've always been a reader, I think, um, from my very early days. So I was volunteering. So I was in a school like a lot. And it was those two experiences that I was like, you know, I really enjoy like being in the classroom. I wonder like if I can uh, switch my major uh, to elementary education. And when I did, I definitely had to complete. I mean, there was very few classes that transferred over from my environmental science background to <laughs> education. But um, once I got in, I, I kind of like powered through, like I really enjoyed learning um, very specific uh, coursework, like, you know, teaching, um, you know, science to elementary age students or the science of reading. Um, and so I really started to notice back then that I gravitated toward teaching language arts because that's mm -hmm. something that I enjoyed, you know, as a student myself. Um, and I was like, you know, I'll be able to teach that. So that's how I got started. And uh, I changed my major, like I mentioned, to education. And then, yeah, I finished up uh, my uh, bachelor's in education. I was able to get a job um, right before graduating um, because I know like in many states in the U.S. like trying to hire qualified um, and you know fluent bilingual English and Spanish like teachers is sometimes hard to come by and different school districts around the U.S. they have different ways of um, attracting them. Um, some even go as far as definitely trying to recruit them from abroad like from Spain or you know Puerto Rico. Oh wow. Um, so they, 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 there is a need so for me, um, I was able to get where I was doing my student teaching that uh, final semester. That's where I started. So I started teaching first grade, dual language, uh, two-way. And that's where I began. And it was during that time um, when I was teaching first and second grade that I, again, noticed that I really gravitated towards, I, I enjoyed teaching all my subjects that I had to because I was self-contained, meaning I taught, you know, like, um, you know, language arts and math and yeah. science and social studies. But I really enjoyed my language arts block with my students. Um, and just seeing them grow as a reader. And I was always in the library, my school library. I was always in there like looking for resources, um, talking to the librarian, uh, trying to you know, bring her and collaborate with me. Um, 
on co-teaching certain mm-hmm. things. And she was, you know, she was all for it um, because, you know, she would tell me like, this is uh, the kind of work that she enjoyed doing. And she was also a former teacher. And it was um, her that she actually mentioned to me that she's like, you know, have you ever thought about pursuing a master of library science? And at that point I was like, I, you know, I want to do something. I definitely do want to, um, I see myself at some point being out of the classroom, still in education, but just helping other teachers um, or working on a larger scale in a school and not just contained in my own classroom. So I looked into it and um, yeah, in Texas, we have a few uh, universities that have a library and information um, information science degree graduate program. So I decided to do the same one as her, which was San Houston State. And mm-hmm. I applied and I got in and that program really, um, yeah, definitely changed a lot for me. Um, it was great for me to be able to look at the coursework that I was doing in you know, in my, in my classes and immediately, and I think the students that I taught that those two years that I was doing my graduate program, the second grade and fifth graders, they really benefited because I was, uh, it was just a lot of resources and uh, strategies, um, different ways of, of presenting all types of different um, genres in fiction to them, uh, research skills. So they really, they were, um, they were my testing, like everything that I wanted to do, like uh, as I foresaw seeing, as I, you know, foresaw as a future librarian, I was like, I was going to do it with them and they really enjoyed it. So that was, uh, that was my way of how I got, you know, changed my major from environmental science to, uh, elementary education and then into being a librarian. I really like hearing that. I actually didn't know about that connection between you going into teaching and then having this kind of collaboration with a librarian who then motivated you to pursue that degree and that career. So I I really like hearing people's backstories and knowing the impetus or the catalyst or the multiple kind of moments that inspire that transition. And you're here to talk about not just being a librarian, I don't even know, was this person bilingual by any chance? Yes, yeah, oh, and that's something also, she, she is, she's still, she's still the librarian on my former campus, but she, um, yeah, she, that's something that we kind of bonded on as, um, you know, kind of, we would commiserate over, you know, even though we worked in a school district that was um, very supportive of their bilingual mm-hmm. teachers, dual language teachers, we noticed that, um, out there there wasn't um still this was a few years ago mm-hmm. just um a lack of resources for you know spanish-speaking students bilingual right. students in um you know in in our school district or even the state of texas um but yeah she was the she is bilingual and she that's something that was brought up she's like you know we, there's very few um well a few things that she brought up she's like there's very few bilingual um you know whether they be public librarians or even school librarians mm-hmm. um, or even if they work in academic libraries or special libraries um but there's also um when it comes to education as well there's you know a few male um librarians so she was um you know like uh, she's like you'd be a very uh, interesting um fit uh, maybe for some campuses uh, so some campuses being mm-hmm. for one a male um bilingual if it came to be known queer school librarian mm-hmm. um, oh. and I was like well yeah it's so um yeah so she was that's something we we definitely bonded over and even now like um you know a few years into being a librarian I still um haven't met there's been very I've met more monolingual or mm-hmm. um you know non-bilingual uh, school librarians uh, even being in Texas I actually just uh, came back from the 2022 Texas Library Association our annual conference 
and even there, like, um, it's, there's very few um, that are out there um, compared to, you know, our English speaking counterparts. Right. And I can, you know, that's, that's, it's true that there aren't enough bilingual and then the librarians, and then I'm, I can imagine two Latinos who are librarians and not everyone who identifies that as Latinx is necessarily bilingual either. And so you kind of have multiple identities in which kind of there is a lack of representation in the field. So I, I can understand why this other librarian was trying to recruit you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but can you tell us a little bit more about that experience, I guess, in your case, once you started doing the work, what was it like being a library, um, a librarian that's bilingual? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the things that you enjoyed, maybe some of the challenges? Uh, just I, I, I want to hear because there might be people listening to this podcast thinking, wow, that sounds like a really amazing career choice. Uh, but you having lived and experienced it, no career is ideal, no career is perfect. There are things that keep us in that role and there are things that maybe make us wanna pivot. And so in your experience, tell us a little bit more about that experience, whatever you're comfortable sharing that, you know, the, the good and the not so great. Yeah, so when I even uh, looked into applying and that's something we can get um, into a little bit later as far as like uh, choosing your program. Yeah. Um, I chose a program that definitely, um, tailored its instruction specifically to classroom teachers to make them into school librarians. So oh, for this I program, see. one of the requirements was that you needed um, not only a bachelor's, but you needed um, at least two years of uh, teaching experience before you even uh, applied, which I did have. So that's one of the things that they definitely wanted to see is that you were certified to, you know, this being in Texas, you were certified to teach in Texas at whatever grade level or age um, group or grade level group that you're um, certified in, uh, have two years of uh, teaching experience, uh, letters of recommendation, um, you know, from your administrators as well, because you're moving into a graduate program and into a leadership position. And actually some, you know, I, mean, I don't have that experience here in Illinois, but in Texas, um, you know, when you look at the administration of some schools, especially, I guess, elementary schools, sometimes the school librarian is considered um, a campus administrator, like in that. Um, oh, their title, their job. Oh, yeah. yeah. So sometimes when you see, you know, like the school, like administrative team, it'll be, of course, the principals, uh, assistant principals, uh, counselor, and then sometimes mm -hmm. a librarian. So they're sometimes in there making uh, decisions. Uh, it would happen sometimes where um, at my former campus, you know, the principal was out maybe sick or on, uh, you know, taking care of personal matters. The assistant principal was at a meeting the whole day. Uh, the counselor was away at another campus. So they were like, well, our next, um, you know, our, our, our person in charge for the day is the librarian. So she would be wow. the one that she's like, I'm the next one up. And that's sometimes what happened. So that was something interesting to, to, to see. So yeah, so when I applied to the program, that was something that was mentioned in there that you would take on, you know, probably a leadership role within your uh, school campus, depending on, of course, where you're at. Um, yeah, so I applied it. I, of course, um, looked at, um, you know, I, I wanted to see what kind of coursework I would be doing, because I was like, I wonder what, what would entail, you know, as a library science degree. I, I was like, I could it couldn't all just be all, all about reading. You know, all about uh, trying to you know uh, push literature out to to students, and and it isn't. Um, I really that's what it seems coursework. like. <laughs> yeah, no, it isn't. Um, that's um, it's definitely not. You learn very, you know, very technical skills, very um, of course like professional skills that are 
well, they're later, of course, on transferable. But, you know, some of the things, of course, you do get introduced to is, um, you know, children's literature, young adult mm -hmm. literature, middle grade, and then, of course, finding those resources of how to keep current because there's just so much yeah. that's being produced, which is which is great because I think it's definitely a different experience than what I had uh, growing up. So, you know, now, um, you know, there's different literature for uh, that. Still, it, there's still, of course, a gap, but there's definitely more representative of what's in our classrooms in the U.S. But, you know, some things that I learned to do is... Um, research design and methodology. That's something, of course, that a lot of uh, graduate programs probably focus on is because we are doing research, um, you know, at a graduate level. Um, so finding uh, a problem in our in our field and, and mine was, you know, how dual language, um, you know, dual language instruction, uh, how the library supported that dual language instruction. Uh, but you also learn like digital technology because sometimes, and I haven't had this experience, but sometimes some campuses, um the, the library that's i think a a, a bad well, a con for me i guess mm -hmm. would be not only are you the librarian for a campus but some librarians you're the librarian and all that entails but also you're like the digital technology culture you're in charge of all the digital devices on the campus oh wow and, uh, i think that's that would that's definitely um that's a lot to ask for for mm -hmm. one person because um you know the library it's um you know people that go into a library uh, a school library sometimes um it's unfortunate that some places um and that was my experience like I was by myself like I had no library assistant and you know people would come into the library and be like wow this place looks amazing it's always organized like how do you keep it up it's like it's a lot to keep up like you know think of all these books that go out and in it's uh, constantly changing and I would tell my students I'm like because uh, I was in a specials rotation at my school so that meant that I saw the whole campus um you know once a week mm -hmm. um I was I was with the art teacher, the music teacher, the gym teacher. So I was part of a special, and mm -hmm. I would tell them like, you know, I'm different from your other uh, other special teachers because um, I'm the only one where you're usually like checking in device or checking in devices, yes, but checking in books, materials, checking them out. They have to go back on the shelves in an organized manner. You know, I'm yeah. like, uh, you know, so I'm like, you know, when you go to art, you, sometimes you're not really checking out. Like, let me check out all these uh, art materials, dig a home, and do a project, and then bring it back. Maybe some places it is, but at my school I wasn't. So. Uh, yeah, so I can only imagine places that uh, luckily I was at a campus where we did have a separate uh, technology coach and, yeah. and people that dealt with the technology. But um, yeah, I really feel for those uh, school librarians that have to do all of it. Like they have to, um, you know, be in charge of the Chromebooks, but also be in charge of, um, you know, maintaining order in the library and then doing lessons and uh, coaching with coaching with teachers. Yeah, so that's I think a con of. Uh, of the profession of, of some places that some people they find themselves in in a school library but um yeah some of the yeah some of the great benefits is like i mentioned you learn a lot of really great skills um you know working with students um from early age you know pre-kindergarten kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade um yeah you you learn um you learn what it means to organize a collection you learn um what it means to develop a collection is this um, what you learned when you are studying and training or is this something you learn on the job both both you oh, definitely okay. learn uh you learn you know you learn the theory and uh in in your coursework so there was i think four of my courses were definitely just um dedicated to organizing a collection mm -hmm. cataloging what does it mean to you know we definitely learn we definitely learn like um the dewey decimal system uh the different classes that fall under there but we learn, you know, Library of Congress, uh, Library of Congress cataloging, 
um, academic cataloging. So we, we get introduced to all that. Um, it just depends on what kind of library you work in. Uh, some places now they have genre find to make it a little bit easier for students to find books based on what kind of genre that they're um, you know drawn to if they're like like historical fiction, science fiction, um, animal stories. So uh, yeah, you learn uh, lots of different techniques, but you you really learn on the job once you're a librarian because uh, you make that library your own. But uh, yeah, so I definitely looked at the coursework to see what I'd be learning, and yeah, all of it. Like I enjoyed every single one of my classes, and and uh, that's that's also what got me through my degree is like continuously being hungry for that information, um, you know, to eventually become a librarian and put into practice. I uh, hearing you talk about almost like a not even a full day in the life, but some of the things that you do as a librarian and what a lot of librarians are doing. I have so much respect and admiration for you because to have to do that and be on your own without an assistant, without an aide, an entire library. <laughs> I like to think that yeah. I'm organized, but that seems daunting. <laughs> yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, it wasn't until I became a librarian that I would I would reach out to my um, you know the the my former coworker, and I was like. I never appreciated the all the work that you were doing behind the scenes to make the library look uh, amazing because a lot of libraries now not only is it a place for you to you know for kids of course to learn research skills and an appreciation for, for reading but a lot of them are including what's known now as uh, maker spaces you know it's been maker space movement for the past um, you know over a decade now and uh, some places they have really um, well developed maker spaces where kids come in and they're what is to a that? Lot. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar yeah. with the maker space. So a maker space, um, students come in and, and again it depends on what resources you have on your campus and in your maker space and the money that you have to spend on it. But you know, kids come in if they're interested in um, designing things like having a vision of like I'd like to make uh, a necklace or a keychain using a 3D printer. We have that technology for the students to go through the whole process of using the software to design, um, you know, like whatever, like, you know, item that they would like for themselves and then see it be 3D printed. So they're being introduced yeah. to these very early like STEM uh, concepts in elementary. And then as they get older, uh, if they're lucky to have a makerspace and develop makerspace in their school, um, just even doing more things so like, you know, creating a podcast, like some places yeah. that's, that's something where they have uh, actual recording studios for the kids. So it builds upon the interests of the students. So if they're interested in, you know, like uh, maybe uh, you know, being a writer, some places they have the materials for them to, you know, publish their own book or make it online and then have it published uh, at their school, like library, if they have the resources. Um, we definitely have a lot of like materials for kids to build with. Um, so not only like Legos, but, um, you know, like wooden materials, um, things that they can cut. Uh, there's, there's quite a bit of crafts that go on as well, like if they're interested in that as well. Um, and then coding and programming. Oh my uh, goodness. So How we is want this to all part of being a librarian? Yeah, so it is. Yeah, and it's interesting. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of a library. I I was one that definitely enjoyed it. So it, it also takes, I think, initiative from the librarian itself. And you get, you know, you. Um, you can introduce that during your library science program that, you know, this is um, how libraries are moving towards uh, the direction that they're moving towards. Like, you know, we want to be the hub of a school that, you know, kids come for all their information yeah. needs. So if they have ambitions, if they have, uh, you know, we want to play to their strengths and uh, motivate them um, to, you know, develop their full potential. So yeah, kids would definitely, uh, um, yeah, they really enjoyed coming to the library to explore all the materials mm -hmm. that we had. Um, 
you know, and get introduced to, you know, like I said, a lot of STEM concepts, um, the fine arts in the library. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it's a, uh, yeah, it's good to see that that's a direction that a lot of libraries are moving towards. That's really interesting because it, it reminds me of really teaching kids to access multiple modes and multiple kinds of literacies. You know, not everybody is going to be drawn to a book. Some folks might be drawn to, you know, audio format. Some folks might be drawn to more kinesthetic ways of learning. And I had no idea that librarians were involved to this extent. So that that's both um, really interesting, fascinating, exciting, but at the same time, that's a lot to ask of an individual. Um, well, I, I want to have you maybe go back, circle back a little bit more about, to talk about choosing a program. So if you're interested, you're like, wow, that sounds really cool. And not only do I love books, but I love learning. I, I want to learn about technology. How do you find a um, library science program? Because at least from my experience, I don't think I've seen many library science programs available. Um, and I, I'm, I mean, I don't know as much as you do. I, I haven't been in the field. So I'm just curious about that, about how do you find a program? And then um, to what extent do they support you in finding a job? Yeah, so the best uh, place to go to see, uh, because you definitely want to go to an accredited program that's accredited by the American Library Association, uh, because we are here, well, for those people that are listening in the US, as far as outside the US, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that's uh, something <laughs> that you might have it's to okay. you know, research. <laughs> I think 99% of my yes. audience is in the US. <laughs> yeah, so being in the US, you definitely would look um, would wanna look into, um, they, there's a, there is a directory, if you go through the American Library Association, um, there's a directory of ALA accredited programs in library and information studies, um, some places it just depends on the type of program it is, but you might see some places that they call it a master of library science or a master of arts in librarianship or a master of just uh, library and information studies or information management. So it depends on the program, like how they'd like to um, um, call it. Mm -hmm. But there are um, really, I guess you could say two strands. So there is uh, the programs that are accredited by the American Library Association. And then there are those that are accredited by uh, what's known as the, the Council for the Accreditation uh, Educator Preparation. So a lot of um, teacher preparation programs, they kind of follow um, you know, those, um, that program, that model, or they're accredited by that unit. Mm -hmm. um, and they're recognized by the American, we also have the American Association of School Librarians. So um, either one um, is fine. For you to be in a school library but something i think that i would have spent a little bit more time on is um so here in texas we have if i'm correct five library programs we have one at the university of houston clear lake we have one at st houston state university uh university of texas university of north texas and texas women's university i don't believe i'm forgetting one but i think it's those five library ones uh, library programs but what I would have liked to have researched a little bit more on is maybe attending a program that's just um, solely accredited by the American Library Association, because I think with that one, it would open more, not that I couldn't do it now, but it would just mm -hmm. open more opportunities for you to um, explore different types of librarianship out there. So if you're interested in history and of course, like, you know, librarianship, maybe you could be, you know, an archivist. 
mm. working in museum archives, working in a museum with our archives, or if you're interested in science and medicine and librarianship, you can work in a medical library. Okay, um, okay. Now you need to expand <laughs> on this because that's uh, my follow-up question now, now that you're talking about it. So, so wait, you you don't just become a librarian. No, so, no. So there's what, what can you do with a degree in library science? So when you go through a program, um, you know, it depends again, like the program that I went to, it was really tailored for school librarianship. So all the information that we received, um, you know, it's it's what you would get at any other program as far as, again, like I mentioned, like organizing a collection, research, um, assisting individuals with research needs, uh, managing databases or how to find databases or find look through a database. But uh, a lot of our information, again, was uh, seen like we were going to work in a school in a K-12 mm -hmm. setting. But I know some colleagues that they, you know, they, they go through um, just uh, an American Library Association yeah. accredited program where after their first year, after everyone, you know, usually takes a similar coursework, foundational coursework that's foundation that's foundational to the whole, mm -hmm. uh, you know, librarianship. Then they like to see, like, well, like again, like I'm interested in maybe medicine, so I might want to look into what it means to work in a medical library. I like if I'm interested in science um, or, you know, yeah, medical um, librarianship, or if I'm interested in history, then what does it mean to work with archives and photographs, uh, documents, uh, very old materials like books. Um, or if I want to work maybe only with digital like uh, media, then maybe looking into becoming a digital archivist or digital librarianship. So it was it's after that, um, usually in those programs that they offer, um, you know, that they're not only limited mm -hmm. to school librarianship, then that's where you get to explore. And you work with maybe mm -hmm. different colleges, different departments at that university to really uh, look into that. I have so some I know right now, follow up questions because one yeah. thing leads to another. So yeah. you said digital librarian. What what does a digital librarian do? Uh, how is that different from a regular librarian? Yeah, so a lot of digital librarians, um, they're looking to make um, a lot of their content uh, accessible to mm -hmm. people that you know that you don't have to be in person in their library. So um, a lot of archivists do this as well. Like a lot of the preservation work that's being done, mm -hmm. you know, for many years it was definitely being preserved in physically yeah. um in one space but uh as we learned with like covid like you know having access to um, you know things where you don't have to be in person mm -hmm. is really uh we've, we've noticed that that's uh, really beneficial for many many different people in different situations so um, i think uh that's uh, exciting to see that within the next few years that a lot of uh institutions universities organizations nonprofits, museums that they're like we need to make our collections accessible to yeah. um you know people outside of our community here and we need to find people that are skilled in how to make our resources um you know digitize them and not only for themselves but also for you know like posterity just for well i guess for themselves but for posterity to have them um, a digital collection out there so yeah, there's people that are very specialized in just, um, you know, digitizing an entire institution's um, collection, you know, whether that be like scanning them, taking photographs, um, video, um, but virtual now, like a lot of virtual simulation of how you can experience um, some of the collections without, again, without being there physically, but seeing it. So, yeah, that, like it's, uh, you know, I always get uh, interested whenever I go to conferences or I connect with other people that are in the library world and just looking to see how, um, where their library background took them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, recently um, 
uh, you know, and that's something that I think I want to explore is like getting into a special library uh, that's not academic, like meaning at a university that's not public and that's not a school library. So um, recently I know when I went to the Texas Library Association there, you know, the conference, um, there was, there is a whole like special libraries division of people that work, like I said, that work, you know, in a medical library. Um, you know, there's someone that mentioned that I met recently that they are a medical librarian and they specifically help uh, the dental graduate program of a certain university and, you know, that they have dental students, uh, dental uh, uh, school faculty that have come to them and they're like, you know, we need to find uh, either photographs or archives or research mm -hmm. related to our very specific field um, and the librarians are able to help them navigate the resources on their campus. Um, I met uh, an individual that worked at a hospital as a librarian in the hospital that works with um, not only patients, but staff there. And again, how to make them, um, you know, meet their needs of, it's a lot of information usually like yeah. when someone is diagnosed with any kind of illness and you want someone that knows how to navigate um, and kind of cull through lots of vast information and make it accessible, um, make it hopefully not overwhelming. So yeah. uh, it was interesting to hear that that's, um, you know, that this individual was in a previous uh, position, was working in an academic librarian. And something that I didn't um, really know is that academic librarians kind of um, also, depending on the institution, they're um, on a tenure track as well. Oh, yes, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Uh, I am familiar yeah. with that because I worked with librarians when I was in uh, undergrad and in grad school. And someone once told me about that process of, of uh, earning tenure as a librarian. I just don't know the details of that. But I found that super fascinating and interesting to learn. Not only can you be a university librarian, but you can specialize in an area of your choice and then you can get on the tenure track. What what can you share with us That's more than what I just said? Yeah, no, with that one as well, like I said, um, sometimes people find themselves in departments, um, you know, like maybe the English department or I guess like the African-American studies department. Um, and they don't always necessarily have uh, their education background in that. So maybe mm -hmm. an undergrad, maybe maybe an undergrad, they majored in history very broadly. Um, and then they got their library science degree. Uh, and then they started working for the university, but um, yeah, they somehow found their way into the African American, you know, studies department um, that they're helping, or, or they're helping the Asian American studies department, and they're that librarian for for those departments. So they specialize. They learn. They you know they definitely mm -hmm. uh, learn how to develop the collection. They're always looking for books to add, not only recommendations from staff and faculty, but also you know using the resources that are out there. Like always always being in the know what's being published out there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, they, they end up becoming experts in, you know, their, their departments in their field. Um, but, but, but through time, they pick up those skills. So, but yeah, when, uh, as far as um, becoming tenure track, uh, or if you're on a tenure track librarian, um, you know, it was interesting for me to find out that they, there's some similar expectations um, placed on them as you would probably place on a professor. Mm -hmm. So they would mention like, you know, a lot of my stuff, they would sometimes have to teach um, a section sometimes, or they would have to present at conferences. They would mm -hmm. have to continuously also put out research as well. And they mentioned they would have to do this because if they wanted to be promoted, 
you know, they had to, to do this. They had to win these, uh, get these points or get these uh, points on their CV or all these uh, listings so that they could be promoted. And if not, then they could receive a, a terminal contract and then have to find something else. They either yeah. find another institution or find another line of uh, library work. So that was interesting to see. So that was uh, something that this individual was saying that that's different from her job is now working in a hospital, in an institution, uh, a medical institution, that it's different. That she just um, can focus on, you know, the, the needs of of the people that come to to see her, instead of always focusing on like, well, now I have to do research, or now I have to go present at a conference, or um, you know, just a lot, a lot of that was expected from her. That's um, fascinating to hear the parallels between academic librarians who are on the tenure track and uh, librarians in special libraries who are not necessarily on that same track. And also, I appreciate how much you're demystifying the field for us in that I will be the first to say that I have had friends tell me, oh, I would love to be a librarian. Every time I go to the library, the librarian's just sitting there reading. And it just, it makes it sound like it's such a like luxurious uh, and like slow paced. Um, <laughs> position like oh it must be so nice to just be sitting around you know bookshelves all day and get to read whatever you want and help people when they need your assistance but in actuality there's a lot more that happens behind the scenes that we don't know about and then also I appreciate you sharing that actually there's no one track per se there are multiple things you can do with that degree without necessarily being a school librarian or a university librarian um, I had not thought about, wow, you could work for a museum, you could work at a hospital. That's, that's great. Um, I would love for you to tell us a little bit more now for those individuals that are really interested in this as a potential career path. What advice do you have to offer to them if they are um, current undergraduates or early college graduates who uh, are bookworms or they uh, find this topic of, you know, um, of librarianship, but also information science and digital forms of literacy and even everything else you said about learning about STEM and crafting and <laughs> all these things. <laughs> yeah. um, what advice yeah. would you have to offer to them? Yeah, I think if you're currently an undergrad or if you, you know, if you, um, are in a, in a job that you're like, you know, I'd like to explore something else. If you, if you have like the skills, uh, if you're someone that your friends come to you all the time that they're like, you know, you're really good at finding information for me. If you're really good at planning in advance, uh, you're really pay attention to a lot of details um, or you really have a knack of, um, you know, just making, lots of uh, complicated information understandable for someone, then I think, uh, yeah, you're someone that could be a really, really good librarian. And of course, like if you enjoy reading, even better because, uh, you know, you'll do well in your coursework because there's a lot of reading that you have to do, but um, it's something that you enjoy. And me being a librarian, like uh, that's, I don't think I've met any librarian um, that wants to become a librarian that they just stop enjoying reading. I mean, maybe like for their jobs, like it depends uh, again, what kind of library that work that they do, but um, that passion is still always there for them. Uh, and even so, like it probably even grows even more. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if you have those skills where like you want to always help individuals, because working as a librarian, usually uh, most lines of library work, you're working with um, 
individuals you're working with, with yeah. people maybe not the public but all you're working with staff you're, the the role of uh, librarianship is you know making the library for all and making information accessible to mm -hmm. your audience so whatever audience that could be so if you're if you if, you, if you're not a people person then maybe no library <laughs> sciences library work is not for you wait uh, you can't be an introverted bookworm no no i mean themselves in the corner of the library <laughs> <laughs> no because you would no because you definitely have to deal with with you know like an, your audience so like if you're an introvert or an introvert you're, you know you'd still be a good librarian but you're going to be put in situations where you know and libraries are different librarians are different leaders um in their profession mm -hmm. so you're going to be have to you know uh, anything from like programming, like putting on programs, adult programs, youth programs, like maybe in a school or public library sector to putting on presentations. Um, again, like you hold a lot of knowledge uh, in whatever library, you know, field that you're in. And you, you're not just there, librarians aren't, librarians, they're not gatekeepers. Mm -hmm. If anything, they're like, wall like uh they're tearing on the walls they're gate shattering <laughs> they're gate shattering they want the they're not keeping the information for themselves they want it accessible for the public for their audience for the faculty staff whoever they're working for uh that's their um you know that's that's part of their 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 ethics that that, that we develop like you you're not hoarding this information you want yeah. people to uh, access it and then you're always looking for gaps and how to fill mm -hmm. those gaps and connecting people so I think, um, yeah, if you fit uh, all those, um, you know, you check all those boxes and yeah, looking into, again, like I mentioned, going through the American Library Association to find an accredited program. And some of them are even online. Uh, I did mine online, my practicum, where I was actually mm -hmm. learning a lot of the skills was in person, but um, yeah, a lot of the coursework out there, depending on your program, they, they could be online or even hybrid um, where your some of your courses are online and some of them are in person. Uh, so yeah, looking looking to see that maybe there isn't a library science program near you physically, uh, where you can go for in person classes, but there could be definitely one online, and you still learn lots of great skills. Um, uh, you know, whether it be online, you know, I think a lot online education. You know, definitely for the pandemic, we've seen that. Um, it's it's beneficial to different types of students and you know my professors they were always accessible like if I needed to meet with them office hours they definitely had them online uh, we would meet through video I definitely received especially uh, towards the last semester uh, or not my yeah towards the last semester of my program like I was meeting with professors two three times a week they were constantly checking wow. in on me because they're like you're about to go into and look you know we want to make sure that you're successful and as you touched on earlier about like yeah. um, finding finding a job they're like we want to make sure yes. that you find a job because this is a very specialized degree uh, we want you to be uh, find a job that you're comfortable in uh, for me again it was a school librarianship so working in a school but I imagine that any other library school, like they are definitely like uh, looking to get their graduates into, a, uh, you know, get, getting them into mm -hmm. the library field. And then from there, um, you know, you take it upon yourself to, to grow and meet and mm -hmm. connect with people. And then people will shift, like I said, like from different types of library systems, library fields, um, you know, they, they, they take on different opportunities. Um, and some move into management, some move into executive director positions that maybe they're not, you know, working or using the skills that they learned in library, in library school, but they definitely start working on, you know, leading large projects, leading uh, extensive research projects, um, you know, moving into the directing position, management position, where they're supervising um, large groups of uh, other librarians. I'm but glad yeah, that would... you mentioned that because you're telling us that there's 
room for advancement. It's not like you become a librarian and then you stay in one place forever. I, I guess I'm noticing this in, uh, across so many industries is that it's becoming harder to see that nowadays of individuals working in one place and just staying there until they retire. I think that may still be true for some, but it's becoming less and less common. I'm not sure if that's true for library uh, librarians um, in general, but I, I'm seeing that in other industries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that is really helpful advice. Hopefully the job market isn't so bad for librarians or as bad as it is for the tenure track job market <laughs> in higher ed, <laughs> uh, because it sounds like there are multiple options um, once you get the degree, especially like you said, if it's accredited by the ALA. So that's great. Um, now for folks who, who really like resonated with what you said, maybe want to follow up because I can't imagine, like you said, that there are a lot of queer Latinx bilingual librarians out there. So if someone's like, ah, oh, I need to connect with Jeffrey, how can they reach you? Yeah, so they can definitely look me up through my Twitter account. Um, I haven't been too active right now, but I usually do uh, post things on there um, definitely related to anything and everything about libraries. Um, and it's just uh, J, my last name, J Medino, edu. Mm -hmm. So I started that off when I was in my classroom. Um, and then of course, through LinkedIn, if they want to connect through there, um, and we can, uh, you know, connect, uh, connect with other librarians or connect with uh, aspiring librarians. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, so Twitter and, and even my Instagram as well. Um, I'll, I'll give you it's just making these book stacks, but I'll, uh, you know, you'll put that in the show notes if they want to connect yeah. either way or, or all the ways. And if they want to, you know, um, talk about like, uh, there is definitely funding, um, you know, that's definitely something, some, well, sometimes hard for master's program. Usually like when you move into doctoral studies, um, it's a, it might, well, not that it's easier, but it's, uh, the funds are out there more mm -hmm. noticeable, but sometimes a master's uh, programs, uh, you don't always find that, but I was able to come through my, um, master program with uh you know over almost 70 percent of it funded That's i had to do really great yeah. uh, yes i had i had to do so i i don't have any debt which is amazing wow um, so i don't have any debt <laughs> congratulations but I, a lot of it was thank you a lot of it was me having to find um scholarships through my graduate school mm -hmm. but also external scholarships the texas library association they have lots of great scholarships um you know because they again they want to advance the field and that's uh, that's part of um you know, one of their tenements is like advancing the library uh, science field. So they have scholarships for um, incoming or current uh, students. And actually the American Library Association, they also, like I mentioned, they wanna work. Librarians right now, it's a great place to be, even, <laughs> even with all the book bans mm -hmm. and the censoring that's going on in the United States right now. Uh, that's a whole different topic that could uh, take a, a whole different episode. Yes. But, uh, the American Library Association, they know that the field for many years, the library science field has been very uh, white. Um, mm -hmm. And they actually have a program called Spectrum Scholars, where they um, are very generous to the scholars that become, uh, the individuals that become a Spectrum Scholar that you can actually apply before you even get admitted, or that you have been admitted to a library science program where almost um, your whole um, library science degree could be well-funded and they would give you opportunities to attend 
the American Library Association Conference, which is always held every year, uh, either in Chicago or Washington, DC. And then they give you um, lots of advice and supports on how to navigate um, looking for your first job and connecting. And that program is specifically meant for um, underrepresented uh, marginalized communities. Uh, I am going to, yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to so, add that to the show notes. So as yeah, well. so it's yes. called the Spectrum Scholars. Um, and usually people, I mean, it's a very small class every year, but the Spectrum Scholars, um, they're kind of like the people to watch because within a few years of them becoming in the library, they're the ones that are at the forefront of their, you know, in their programs, they're, uh, they win lots of awards. Just, I think it really begins from that initiative that they take to apply to this program all the mentorship that they receive yes. and even all the connections that they make. And they, you know, they, they do really well. Like people that I've met that are a spectrum scholar, you know, you'll meet them later on and they're like, oh, like they're librarian of, you know, like uh, of the year and their, <laughs> uh, their department or they're just doing lots of their movers and shakers. They're doing lots of different uh, great things. So yeah, so there's definitely funding out there. Um, and even funding, you know, like I, I once received a scholarship um, that was meant for individuals that are interested in records and information management. And I mean, that's what I was, well, I'm not necessarily records, but I was yeah. like dealing with a lot of uh, information, um, you know, uh, managing lots of information mm -hmm. potentially in the school library. And I was able to win that scholarship. So there's uh, there's, there, there is, there's money out there. It's just um, like any other graduate program is just, just spending time um looking for one it's it's almost it was almost like a, my on my another class that I was doing mm -hmm. like, I would spend time like looking I always for that tell money. people treat it like another class or a part-time job and just include it as part of your curriculum and your ongoing deadlines it it, it really is um necessary uh to minimize or hopefully completely <laughs> avoid having to take on any loans yeah wow. and I think you mentioned that in a previous maybe you might have mentioned that in a previous mm -hmm. like podcast is like um, I saw, well, I definitely saw it as an investment, but something that I would notice with each application, if I would be rejected, it would be fine. But with each application, like my writing got better because I would have to craft my narrative. Yeah. Um, and then when I, when I would win the money, I was like, well, like all the, all the, all the hours spent on it was, uh, it was worth it. It was like, you know, I'm getting paid back for all the hours that I spent on, uh, you know, navigating, trying to get the letters of recommendation and applying. Um, it was well, it was well worth it. I'm so glad to hear that. Well, I, it's been such a privilege and honor having you on the show. I'm just so happy that you were even willing to come and to share about your experience, your wealth of knowledge, uh, your wisdom. You know so much about this field. Don't be surprised if folks reach out to you. Uh, thank you so much, Jeffrey. It's been so nice having you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely looking to connect with people. So don't feel shy. Um, you know, even if it's a high or hello, or like you enjoyed it, like whatever it is, like I'm willing to help. Yes. Reach out to Jeffrey. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in the grad school femme drawing podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or email me your review at gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com. You can also show your support by going to gradschoolfemtouring.com and joining my mailing list where you'll receive weekly tips, podcast and blog updates, as well as discounts for my digital downloads, online courses, and much more. One last thing, don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. 
Until next time.